everyone. We are continuing our conversation about mental health on Resilient and Real. I'm Dr. Veronica Kelly, Behavioral Health Director for San Bernardino County, and here today with me is Dr. Georgina Yoshioka. Dr. Yoshioka, could you just uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, everyone. Um, yes, um, I'm just Georgina, and um, I am uh, with DBH, and I'm the Deputy Director of the 24-Hour Emergency Services. Georgina, can you just share a little bit more about yourself? She's, I've, I've been with the County of San Bernardino. I'm going on um, 13 years. Um, I've worked in the field of social work since um, 1995. Um, I uh, basically have worked anywhere from a case manager and uh, was eventually took on some leadership roles. I was able to work um, in my career uh, working in a co-occurring residential facility for women and children um, that had uh, both um, had mental health and substance use disorder, as well as um, several persons on my caseload were HIV positive. Um, and so in that period of time of working at this facility, I began to work on my master's degree in social work and was able to um, complete that and then went on for my licensure. My, my licensed clinical social worker um, um, became that in um, 2003. And since then, I've found myself to be working in various uh, settings. Uh, my last uh, position um, where I went from a case manager to a deputy director uh, was in LA County. And at that time, I then decided to come to San Bernardino County. I had an opportunity to um, take a position as a clinic supervisor. And at that time, it was called the Jail Mental Health Services under the uh, Department of Behavioral Health and was there and eventually came into the outpatient setting where I was um, overseeing the conditional release program and eventually became the program manager too over adult criminal justice and then eventually became the deputy director for 24-hour emergency services. So I've been doing this uh, for about three years and just really enjoy uh, what I do and have found myself just, you know, being able to really get myself involved in different um, settings as well as working with different populations. Wow. So that's quite a journey into this career. Um, what drew you into this type, this type of work? You know, Dr. Kelly, I get asked that question a lot because it seems that whenever you tell someone you work in the field of social work and you're a social worker, they think that this is something that was a, a lifelong driven dream of where you thought you would be. And, you know, when I graduated high school, my profession that I wanted to go in is I wanted to be a pharmacist. I uh, actually started my uh, education at a high school and college. I was working on my bachelor's degree in chemistry. I was really excited about that. And um, just for some reason, I was terrible at math. I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> However, I did at some point understand the whole equation process when it came to chemicals. At one point, I did know the whole periodic chart, which I was so proud of myself. Uh, but, you know, and then at some point, um, life changed for me. Um, I actually ended up um, at that point, I became, I, I, I got pregnant um, and I have uh, my wonderful son um, to today. And he um, it changed my life where I realized as I went back to college, I was taking classes at, um, I went to Cal State San Bernardino and I was taking classes and um, I was on and off as I was going, um, went through my pregnancy because I couldn't be, um, by the way, I couldn't take chemistry classes because I was pregnant. 
And so um, I basically, by the time I returned back to school full time, well, not full time, but half time consistently was when my son turned on one. And at that point, I took a class in sociology called Marriage and the Family. And I remember my professor to this day. Um, her name was Dr. Um, Annie Miller. And she was um, just I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, you know, I can do this. I really enjoy this. And it really that class really changed my outlook on understanding or my perspective on my life and what I had uh, my journey to where, you know, I was at at that point. And so I was so appreciative of that, that um, after taking that class, I changed my major and switched it to sociology to get a bachelor's degree in sociology. Uh, I know it as a, a working mom myself, it is really hard to prioritize what comes first, but do you have any, any um, words of advice for working moms out there? You know, it's it's a balance. To this day, I do look back and wonder if I made the right decision because choices had to be made about my priority of my education. But I knew in the back of my mind and a really uh, most a very influential person in my life was my stepmother, Dorothy. And she really showed me the importance of finding the balance between work. She was 50 when she went back to Chapey College and got her AA degree. And she really uh, was a true inspiration um, behind my education. And therefore, for me, I saw the balance she did. And again, like I noted, it's sometimes, you know, did I do the right thing? Because I had to put school, I was working full time, going to school part time, doing an internship when I started my master's program on top of that and raising my son. And I tell you, um, now when I look back, I, I feel like I made the right choice. So even though I feel like I had to make sacrifices when he was small today and, and the time of leading up when I finally finished school and began working on my licensure, it was so much more enriching of my time that I got to spend with him and provide, wow. and provide for him. Yeah. Well, so in, in talking about, you know, your experience as um, a young mom and taking care of your son and the challenges you faced. Could you just talk a little bit about the challenges your your own mother faced uh, in raising you and your siblings? Yeah, most, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I think for myself, uh, my life, uh, when I reflect back on it, you know, it's, it's very interesting. I, most people don't know this about me, but my mother was diagnosed um, when she was about 18 years old with uh, mental illness. Um, and in that time, um, she moved from New York. She left her family and came to uh, California. And during that time, when she came to California, um, she did meet uh, my father. Um, and he, um, you know, I learned an interesting fact of, with my uh, with my father recently was that he only knew my mother for three months, and he married her. Wow. Um, Time, yeah. So in that time, uh, my mother had um, not only with her mental illness, but also, you know, she was able to bring myself and my two older brothers um, into the world. And we, you know, again, I have to say, I'm just so appreciative of her being my mother and also for my father. And, you know, my father shares stories about his um, his relationship with my mother. And it was very challenging. And this is, you know, I to age myself, but it's it's many, many years ago. And um, so in that time, my mother um, had to make the decision one day to take me and my brothers to the local police department. My father was at work and dropped us off at the police department. And at that time, I became a ward of the court and um, found myself that I was into the foster care system um, from the age of six months old until I was 12. Were you and your, were you and your siblings together or were you all separated? 
Actually, Dr. Kelly, we were together. Um, that was actually very not, it was not common for that. Um, but we had a very good social worker. Um, he was our social worker for the entire 12 years. I was the last in the system, meaning that my brothers had already been uh, moved out, um, reunited with my father. But for myself, um, he kept us together until um, until I was 10 years old. And unfortunately, at that time, we, me and my two brothers did get separated. They went together actually to a different home and I went to a different home. So in my time frame of foster care system, I was in... I used to think I was in three homes, but my father um, recently informed me it was four homes. So I was not even aware of the very first home that we were placed in for a very short period of time. And also learned that I was actually at McLaren Hall um, when the police department uh, took us um, in at the time when my mother took us. And at that time, my mother um, committed, you know, admitted herself to um, a facility um, to get psychiatric care. Um, at that time. Wow. So do you think that your early experience in the child welfare system and having a mother with a serious mental illness has had an effect on the way you provide care? Oh, most definitely. Um, Dr. Kelly, I think for me, um, I, every day what I do, I think about I, I think about persons who have a similar um, background as myself, um, especially as a child growing up in the child welfare system, uh, my relationship with my mother and, you know, and just for, for at one point I was able to reunite with my mother um, when I was 12 years old and um, I lived with my mother for three years. Um, and I, you know, I just have to say that, when I was reunited with my mother, no one explained to me about mental illness that my mother had. Um, my social worker informed me that basically my mom needed to take her medication and she needed to make her doctor's appointments. And as a 12 year old, that became my priority. Um, in addition to going to school and getting myself ready for school and preparing my meals, my responsibility was to take care of my mother. Because as a young girl, I also knew I didn't want to go back into foster care. And so for those three years, I actually did not talk about what I was living in my home. But I also know that I began to see what it was to have um, a psychotic episode. Uh, my mother's would range anywhere from two weeks to three weeks. Um, it was very based on religion. Um, my mother would just sit in the same spot for all day. I would go to school and come back. I would prepare food for her and put her to sleep at night. And I think for me, um, when I think about those times and realizing, you know, the love for my mother, and I know I, and I've always said to both my parents is that I always appreciate that they did the best they could with what they had. And I think that's really about what pushes me to realize is the work that I do. And I know my team would say is I always think about the end user and those are the persons that um, need us and from our experiences, but also our ability for us to make um, changes and implement um, programs and so forth that we know will benefit not just one person, but, you know, many. And I think that's really, if I look back, I wish someone would have sat me down and explained about what mental illness was and what my mother was living with and helped me and bring services to me so that I didn't feel like I was alone. And at that point in my mother's stint of her being um, living in um, care, being taken care of out of the years from 
point of when she took us to the first time to the police department to her passing, the only three years she lived independently was with me. Wow. Well, and I know that you are a caregiver um, for folks who don't know you. You are always checking in on everyone. You check in on me and make sure I'm okay a lot. But I know that that continues in your role with your brother. Could you speak a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, I have two older brothers, um, same mother and father. And um, what I learned in college when I was working on my bachelor's degree in sociology, I learned, I took a class on mental illness. And what I learned is that mental illness, it, there's a genetic component um, to it, especially for schizophrenia. And for my brother, it went from a, it went to a 10% chance that he potentially um, could um, actually, not just him, but just me and my brother were susceptible. And so for us, uh, my older brother was diagnosed when he was about 20, 21 years old. And um, I remember being in the living room, sitting with my father and saying to him, um, Dad, I think something's wrong with Char, Char, with my brother. I said, I think something's wrong because um, the, what he's saying is something that I would hear my mother say. And so just based on my experience, I was able to help my dad and my family. And we we became very proactive to get my brother help. And unfortunately, he was hospitalized on involuntary hold because that was the only option that we knew of, that we didn't know any other resources that we could have. We could have walked them in. We didn't even know that at the time. So a lot of it was a lack of knowledge. So. I think um, to this day, you know, um, my brother is lives, he doesn't live on his own, but he lives in a room and board and he's um, doing very well. Uh, I think just with my experience, both personally and in my professional role, uh, my family has come to me for guidance as well as my brother. And so um, even, you know, with substance use, and we know that unfortunately occurs for persons with mental, living with mental illness. And therefore, that was one more area that I had to work with my brother on also with, you know, again, with the support of the family. We were very supportive. My family is very supportive. And today, you know, I'm primarily the, the responsibility for my older brother. Wow. Well, I will say, I think that um, something that you stated that really resonates with me and certainly with um, those people who are listening to us is that people do the best they can with what they have. And it is clear to me that you are always striving to give people more tools so that they can handle uh, the stressors in their life. Um, Is there any last words you'd like to give folks before we end um, this uh, podcast? Um, you know, the most important is just remember that, you know, we, we have so much ability and, you know, just, you know, just, we make a difference and, um, taking a moment to listen to a person, a family member and hearing their story and just remembering that, you know, they're, they, they're individuals and and they need our help. And I think, um, just what we do every day. We, we make a huge difference and, you know, I'll continue to do this until I can't do it anymore. So, um, but I think, you know, again, the opportunity to share my story because I feel, you know, a lot of people always ask me, you know, how, how is it that you have gotten to where you are? And I always say there's two words that resonate with me is uh, the ability to forgive and perseverance. And so those are my two key words that I live by every day to continue to make a difference, both personally and professionally. 
That is so great. And this really does take us into May, which is Mental Health Month, and the theme uh, of tools to thrive. And we want to thank you very much, Dr. Georgini Oshioka, for sharing your tools that you use to help you you thrive uh, in your life. And uh, we look forward to having folks join us again on another episode of Resilient and Real. Thank you, Georgina. Thank you. This week's self-care story comes from Patricia Moore, a mental health education consultant with DBH's Workforce Education and Training. Mental health is very important. So I think that taking care of yourself is one of the first priorities. I love to run and walk. However, I also love to do spa days. So facials and massages, things of that nature. Applying makeup, that's therapeutic and it makes you feel good. Especially right now with with um, the pandemic and so forth, it's just, you know, no one's wearing makeup. At least I'm not. So when I'm home and just a little bit of self-care, I try to do that. It just takes your mind away from everything else and it puts you in a different zone. You're relaxed. I think it's very important because a lot of times we don't do that. We forget. We just go through the motions of living life every day. We function. We keep on going and we don't uh, remember to take care of ourselves. And I think that's very important. You can't help anybody if you don't help yourself. Take care of your body. Take care of your health. Take care of you in order to be a better you. As Dr. Kelly mentioned, May is Mental Health Month, and you can celebrate with us. We have some exciting virtual events coming up, including the Directing Change Award Ceremony, the Meet the Artist virtual event, and the 17th annual Evening with the Stars, featuring Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter Michelle Williams. To learn more about all the ways that you can celebrate May Mental Health Month, visit CelebrateMHM.com. Until next time, live life resilient and real. Thank you.